this is Jackson Peterson, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Humboldt, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan. We'll also hear from Tyler Donaldson and Don Wick. The theme for the 100th annual USDA Ag Outlook Forum is Cultivating the Future. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Don Wick is at the conference and has this update. Net farm income hit a high in 2022. It dropped off 26% this past year. A trio of economists spoke at the forum and agreed that the downward trend will be continuing in this year ahead. Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City Senior Vice President Nathan Kaufman said profits will be thinner. I would argue that many producers are still, despite this expected decline in farm income, in a very, very strong financial position. And much of this has to do with storing up working capital during these past couple of years when incomes were very strong. As Kerry mentioned, some of this had to do with government payments going back to 2020 and 2021. We interact a lot with bankers and other lenders, and in some of our conversations with bankers last year, we would have banks tell us that they actually do not have any borrowers on a watch list. And that's, that's not common to have n- no borrowers on a watch list as it relates to potential risk. If farm income declines again in 2025 and there's a similar decline in working capital, Kaufman said agriculture will be in a situation very similar to the period between 2016 and 2019. During the Q&A session, Ohio State University Professor Emeritus Carl Zuloff was asked about this year's decision between ARC and PLC. Zuloff said it may be worthwhile to wait and see what happens with markets during the rest of this month, splitting base acres from one farm into ARC and the other into PLC is also a consideration. If yield is a particular concern to you, probably ARC is the better program. If price is more of a concern to you, probably PLC is the better program, but they're really close together. And so I I really think whenever there's a lot of uncertainty in decisions, diversification is always a good management strategy. The outlook for different commodities will be highlighted today at the forum. Our coverage of the USDA Ag Outlook Forum, made possible by the Minnesota Corn Growers Association, as well as support from the North Dakota Corn Council, Ag Country Farm Credit Services, and Amity Technologies. I'm John Wick, reporting from Arlington, Virginia on the Red River Farm Network. Farm policy went through a noteworthy change in the 1970s. Rather than managing supply, the focus was put on maximizing production and exporting those commodities around the world. At the Ag Outlook Forum, Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack said that impacted rural communities. In 1981, Bob Berglund was leaving this job of Secretary of Agriculture from Minnesota, and he began to have concerns about the societal impact of this focus on just solely productivity. And he said, you know, we may lose farms. And when those farms are lost, we lose the farm families. And when those farm families are lost, we, mo- we, we lose uh, y- young people going to the rural schools. And perhaps that will uh, have an impact on rural education. We lose customers for small businesses, and maybe that will impact Main Street businesses. We'll, we'll lose population, and maybe that will impact and affect our ability to provide basic health care. Since 1981, the U.S. has lost over a half a million farmers and 165 million acres of farmland. 
You could take every farmer today in South Dakota and North Dakota, add them to every farmer in Minnesota and Wisconsin, every farmer in Illinois and Iowa, every farmer in Nebraska and Oklahoma, every farmer in Missouri and Colorado, and you'd have 536,000 farms. The land, that's the land mass of Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Maryland, and most, about 90% of Virginia. So I think it's important at an Outlook Forum where we talk about the specifics of agriculture to ask the question, are we, are we in rural America, are we in this country okay with that? Vilsack said the Biden administration is focused on more new and better markets to give the farmer a bigger share of the food dollar. National Oil Seed Processors Association, or NOPA, reporting its members crushed 186 million bushels of soybeans in January. Below market expectations, but still a record for the month of January. Reporting agriculture's business, this is the Red River Farm Network. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. At the U.S. Grains Council's 21st International Marketing Conference in Guatemala, Chief Agriculture Trade Negotiator in the Office of the Trade Representatives, uh, Doug McCallop, spoke with members of Guatemala's Department of Agriculture about the importance of trade treaties and uh, the uh, benefits that uh, such agreements bring to all parties involved. It's just very important, especially in this region right now, as uh, we engage with various uh, partners in Central uh, Latin America and South America, that we uh, continue to uh, discuss the mutual benefits that these trade agreements have and our ongoing commitment to uh, honor and to uh, continue to, to reinforce uh, those commitments that we have between our countries. Discussions were also involved biotechnology's role in sustainability and the available trade possibilities. Certainly uh, the government here is very, very interested in sustainability and so the minister and I uh, talked at length about how innovation and technology is uh, inextricably linked to sustainability. Uh, having uh, sound technology, having access to biotech seeds and crops all works together in terms of the overall sustainability goals and I think this is an area of uh, ripe for partnership and for further discussion for us and certainly look forward to that. Swine Health Information Center and the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research are partnering funding research programs around detecting and preventing Japanese encephalitis virus from the, entering the U.S. hog herd. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Tyler Donaldson has more. Speaking with the Associate Director of the Swine Health Information Center, Dr. Lisa Beck. The Swine Health Information Center and the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research are partnering up to fund research programs tackling the Japanese encephalitis virus. What's the importance of this joint venture and also what can you tell us about JEV? We're really excited to have this joint venture because it strengthens both of our outreach and ability to get very high and comprehensive research completed. Japanese encephalitis virus came to our attention really in 2022 because of an outbreak in Australia. And so the mission of SHIC is to to monitor and track emerging disease threats to reduce the impact to producers. Should the worst happen and JEV does enter the United States, what sort of impact do you think it will have on our swine herds as well as humans? Japanese encephalitis virus is actually a zoonotic disease, which means 
it can affect both humans and animals. And so we do know that horses and pigs can be affected by this. The virus is transmitted by mosquitoes, the Culex mosquito, and it can also use water birds such as egrets and others as natural reservoir hosts. And so it's concerning because a lot of our farms have waterways and have birds that do do hang around them. So it is important because, you know, obviously humans can get ill and we want to prevent that, but also we want to prevent pigs from getting ill. And it is something that does cause uh, production issues, especially in sow farms. What sort of preventative measures can be taken then? That's the one thing that we look at. Right now, the United States does not have the virus. And so we're really more in the prevention mode, but also monitoring. So we're understanding from Australia what their experiences were with the virus, how they managed and handled the virus, and a lot of their efforts focused on mosquito control. But that's part of why we're also having the request for proposals for research is because there's still a lot of different things that we don't quite understand for JEV, its impact on pork producers. And so we want to be able to be prepared the best we can and answer some of these key questions that were identified as an area where we were lacking uh, information. Where can more information about proposal submissions and this joint venture be found? All of the information for the research can be found at Swine Health. Org. And then if you click on the research tab, uh, that will lead you right to all of the open calls for proposals and JEV specifically. That was Swine Health Information Center's Associate Director, Dr. Lisa Becton. For the Red River Farm Network, I'm Tyler Donaldson. North Dakota Grain Growers Association has submitted comments to the Environmental Protection Agency regarding its proposed approach to the regulation of treated seed. The group says it does not believe treated seed should be classified as a pesticide. An additional label for treated seed was called redundant and overburdensome. Go to the Red River Farm Network's website, rrfn.com. You can sign up for our weekly FarmNet News e-newsletter. You can also download this broadcast and follow us on Facebook and X as well. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Farmers continue to hold a larger than usual amount of grain on hand. Corn Belt Marketing market analyst Sam Hudson thinks that has played a role in the market's mentality. Well, it has. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, we didn't see a ton of farmer sales there at harvest. I think, uh, you know, at that point there was still a notion that maybe yields could be down and you know, so we kind of saw the necessity sales, uh, you know, at harvest like we typically do. But after that, everyone was, you know, waiting for a post-harvest rally. And if you go all the way back to November 20th, I think we've only had two weeks uh, where we've closed uh, corn prices, you know, unchanged or higher uh, for a week. And so that's just kind of a demoralizing move, uh, death by a thousand cuts. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, you know, I would estimate you still have, you know, probably closer to half of the old crop out here, you know, owned by the farmer, 40 to 50 percent, quite quite a lot less than soybeans. Um but I think that it just gives us this hangover into summer. Hudson thinks it's going to take a new crop weather scare to turn this market. And if we put risk premium back in this market, to me it's going to happen in the December contract rather than uh, these old crop contracts. It's just going to be hard to really push through that. And something to look for here, we continue to see the farmer you know, purge for cash flow needs, not in big chunks, but gradually. And once they've got enough money to put the crop in the ground and meet their needs, I think you're going to enter a window here of 30 to 45 days where it may actually be kind of hard to buy corn. And so that could create a little bit of a, a breath to flat price. But, um, you know, what the weather does in the meantime during that course uh, is going to dictate how much of an opportunity we could see, if any at all. And if weather cooperates perfectly, 
uh, you know, it gets to be a slippery slope all the way into you know June, July. Checking markets before we leave you this morning. We're seeing March wheat Minneapolis down two and three quarters. Chicago March wheat down five and three quarters, and Kansas City March wheat down seven and three quarters. March corn is up a half at four eighteen and a quarter. July is up a half at four forty and a quarter. March soybeans three cents higher at eleven sixty five and a quarter. May soybeans uh, twelve and three, or excuse me, two and three quarter higher at eleven sixty eight and three quarters. And in Winnipeg, March canola three dollars and fifty cents a metric ton higher. On the farm calendar, the United, USDA's one hundredth uh, Ag Outlook Forum continues in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, be listening for reports from Don Wick on that. The Northland Potato Growers Association's annual meeting and chairman's annual banquet will be held on Tuesday evening. That gets underway 6.30 at the Alaris Center in Grand Forks. The uh, Evolution Ag Summit, uh, also next Tuesday, that's North Dakota Farmers Union's uh, summit. Uh, Carbon Conundrum 2.0 is the uh, theme for the uh, Evolution Ag Summit. International Crops Expo uh, next Wednesday and Thursday at the Alara Center in Grand Forks. Also uh, coming up uh, in, on the 27th, uh, Getting It Right in Sunflower Production Webinar. That gets underway at 8.30 in the morning. And the uh, 2024 Crop Pest Identification and Management School. Uh, set for 20, February 27th and 28th at the Fargo Dome in Fargo, North Dakota. Also uh, coming up, uh, Commodity Classic coming up in Houston, Texas. We'll have live reports on that as well. Thanks for joining us this morning. Have a great day. This is the Red River Farm Network.